morning. You guys are all well rested, right? It's like midday here. I don't know about you, but I was up at 5.30. I all rats. When I had kids, all I wanted to do was sleep in, and now I don't have any kids, I'm waking up in the morning. This doesn't seem right. But um, we are continuing our First Peter series this morning, and um, we're going to see that in, in the section of uh, First Peter I'm going to read to you, that there is a kind of a confluence of two things main streams of thought coming together to form a, a bigger, more vibrant uh, stream of application for us. And I'll get to that in a few moments. But what I want to do is just do a, a quick review of what I would call one of the main streams, one of the main thought processes that has been presented to us in the book of First Peter thus far. And it's this idea that we are blessed people and that we are blessed to be a blessing to others. And so here are some of the thoughts that we've uh, discovered thus far in, in the book of First Peter. Um, I call this blessed status. We who are born again into a living hope through Jesus Christ's resurrection are blessed. Amen? We who are born again in Jesus Christ have an inheritance in Jesus that never perishes. We who are born again in Jesus Christ are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Joy should be a defining characteristic of the follower uh, of God. We who are born again in Jesus are chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. And this perhaps is the one that's most important to me. We belong to God. We have identity in God. He defines who we are. Status blessed. All right. But not only are we blessed, we're called to bless others. We're to live such good lives that you silence those who oppose God, bringing praise to God. So by living right, it becomes a mighty testimony and witness of the reality of Jesus Christ. We who are in Jesus are to show proper respect to others. We don't have to go to this, this malicious level and this combative level. We can show respect to one another. Wives are to live with their husbands in a way that blesses them. That's really what Pastor Aaron was talking about when he's talking about submission, what the power of it and all that is. Wives, you live in a way with your husbands that your, your goal is to bless them. Husbands, likewise, you live with your wives in a way that blesses them. That becomes your goal. That becomes something that you strive after. And then last week we saw this. We don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but rather with blessing. We are people of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we're blessed, and therefore, we understand that we're called to bless others. That's like one of the main streams of thought that's happening in the book of 1 Peter. But now, as we get into, into chapter 3 and, and, and chapter 4, this is this other stream of thought that's going to come into, into view. And it's this idea that even under persecution, even when we're going through hard things, even when we're, we're, we're facing some kind of suffering or trial, uh, we will conduct ourselves in a godly way because we're blessed people. And, and Peter now brings this other stream of thought into, into this other uh, stream and forming kind of a confluence of thought. Uh, years ago, when I was considering a move to Williston, North Dakota, the pastor at New Hope there, uh, Ward Kozier, the, the vice chair of the board at that time at, at New Hope, and also the mayor of Williston, uh, decided to take Vicki and myself on a tour. And I didn't realize this was going to be like a three-hour event. I didn't think, how big can this town be, you know? And so Ward took us all over all the town. And one of the places that Ward really was uh, 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 happy to show us was the confluence 
of the Yellowstone River and the Missouri River. It happens right there by Williston. And he went into the Lewis and Clark, you know, scenario that they came all the way up this river and got to this confluence and, and wrote about it. And he was super, super passionate about the confluence of the Yellow River and the Missouri River. I remember thinking, I don't think this is a selling point for me coming up here, you know, but Evidently, Ward, Ward is super passionate about it, so I listened with uh, interest to what he was, was sharing. Well, I, I've been thinking, in First Peter, you have this big river. It's like the Missouri River of thought of that this is who we are in Jesus Christ. We're blessed and he's done all these things for us and that establishes our identity and then out of that identity we can bless others. And so we have all this huge kind of flow of thought happening and now coming in and joining that in kind of a confluence type of way is this thought that you know what? You're probably going to suffer some persecution at some point. You're probably going to go through some trials and some hardships and together you know, this mainstream coming in with this other stream, it forms this big current of thought that, we, that should dominate us, you know, as followers of Christ. No matter what I'm facing, I can conduct myself in a godly way because Christ is in me and greater is Jesus than anything that I will face. And so frequently we have this kind of confluence, this kind of converging of these two streams in our lives. And as we get into this, this new stream of thought, it's been there already in the book some. He's kind of dabbled in it, but now he gets real serious about it. Uh, it, it takes us to two levels quickly. Um, first of all, Peter talks about persecution viewed philosophically. I can do that. How about you? I could talk about something philosophically. Amen? I mean, I talk about the Vikings all the time philosophically. Right? I can talk about jackrabbits philosophically. I can talk about politics philosophically. How about you? Anybody? I try not to talk about politics. By the way, go vote. I didn't say that in that last hour, but vote. I was alarmed when we had our last elections here for local and candidates who were getting in an office with 1,200 votes. I'm going, oh my goodness, that's, that's less than Grace Point. Vote, people! All right, anyway, enough. Persecution viewed philosophically, he's going to talk about that today and a little bit next week. Uh, when we get into chapter 4, we'll talk about this some more. But then, as, as First Peter continues to, to, in, in chapter 4, we see uh, there's this realistic aspect of persecution. And Peter says, why are you surprised by this? And so I call that persecution faced realistically, and the stream is getting bigger from that, that kind of vantage point uh, coming into the experience of our life. So with this kind of background, we're ready to read 1 Peter 3 now. I'm going to read verses 13 through 22 eventually. Right now I'm going to just read to verse 18 because the, the last several verses are a little bit hard to understand. And uh, so I want to uh, read those and then talk about them immediately after I read uh, about them. Now, some of you are going to go ahead and read it, read it already. I know that. So whatever. But you're reading God's word and that's a good thing. Here we go. First Peter 3 verses 13 through 18 says this, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are what? Blessed. Do not fear the threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is the main verse we're going to look at, kind of outline the message on, okay? Just so you know. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So you see what's happening in these verses? We've been talking a lot in First Peter about this idea 
that you're blessed to be a blessing. And now Peter brings in this whole new kind of stream of thought that, that you know, you may be persecuted, but you're still what? Blessed. This is kind of confluence of thought happening here. So let's just put this into a big thought phrase. Here it is. Even if you experience persecution for doing right, you are blessed and you're called to bless others. Even if you're you know, going to experience some kind of troubles in your life, some kind of hardship, whatever that may look like, you are blessed. That has to dominate your thinking. You are blessed and you're called to bless others. 1 Peter 3.14 says, even if you suffer for what is right, you are blessed. I keep saying that to myself. Even if, if, even if I suffer for doing what is right, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I've been having to tell myself that a lot lately. No matter what I'm going through, I'm blessed. How about you? Even if we go through a pandemic, we're what? Blessed. Even if a beloved mate of ours who we've lived with for 60 years passes and goes on to glory, we are what? Even if my children don't listen to me really well, we are what? Even if my job is not the greatest job in the world, uh, we are what? We are blessed. It has to be a, a thought process that dominates our thinking. And now, before I get into the message uh, 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 deeper, I want to I just take a break. There's a couple cautions here that, that, that Peter articulates, and so I want to just bear those out with you uh, for, for a moment here, and then we'll jump into this life that blesses and how to really experience it, okay? Um, so here's the first caution. Don't be your own enemy. He says, make sure if you suffer, you suffer for what? Good. Not for doing something wrong, so do good. And the interesting thing is, he's told uh, us already in, the, in, his, in his epistle what it means to do good. First thing what we're supposed to do to do good is be submissive to our authorities, Oh, rats, Steve, you've talked about this. You've been bringing it up again? Yes, because that's how he's defining what it means to do good. We, we are submissive to our authorities. When, we, when we're submissive to our authorities, if we love our authorities, what we have at the heart of, of that relationship is their best, best interests. We're trying to do what's right for them as much as we can, okay? That's what it means to be submissive to your authorities. And then he goes on to say, wives, in the same manner, right? In the same way, submit to your husband so that even if they don't know Jesus Christ, by your godly witness, they can come to knowledge of who Jesus is. And then he goes on to say, husbands, in the same way, I love how Pastor Aaron emphasizes, husbands, in the same way, the same way as you're called to submit to authorities, in the same way, be considerate of your wife and respect her then your prayers won't be hindered. And we're getting deep into what it means here to be a person who operates out of the blessedness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we get to the scripture from last week. We don't repay insult with insult, evil with evil. Instead, we repay it with blessing. Why? Because we're God's people. And even when we're persecuted, we what? Bless. Because we're different. Because we're God's people. So this defines what it means to be good and to do good. And I readily admit, personally, this is hard. I don't know how you are, but when I'm slandered or when someone says something to me or I feel like I'm unjustly treated, I want my pound of flesh. How about you? But even as I'm doing that, I feel guilty about wanting that pound of flesh. And we have to restrain and we have to say, I don't repay insult with insult. I don't repay evil with evil. I bless instead because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. 
And I don't have to act this way because Christ controls my countenance and my demeanor. This is grown-up faith. This is going deep in Christ. This is understanding delayed gratification. It's understanding I do good in spite of what's going on around me because I love Christ and I'm looking forward to a future and a home with him. And that's, that dominates my viewpoint and dominates who I am. And I want to honor and follow Jesus in whatever I do and whatever I say. Here's a second caution. Don't fear. Don't be frightened, Peter says, by these ones that may persecute you. We're not to fear what this world fears. For greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We don't fear the things of this world. We don't fear death because Jesus has put death to death. We don't fear rejection uh, from people. Why? Because we're a beloved child of the risen Jesus Christ and our identity is firmly established in him. And so what if someone doesn't like us or they reject us? We are a beloved son or daughter of the risen king. We don't fear uh, rejection. Um, We don't fear the unknown future, right? Because we know who God is. We serve a known God. And so what? Finances aren't greatest right now. Would you agree with me on that? If not, you're not reading anything that's going on. I looked at some of my stuff the other day and said, I can't look at this anymore. It just works in me fear. I can't do a thing about it. I can go into the future wishing that things were different. But I know who my God is. And this supply is sufficient for me. And I can face an unknown future because I know a God who knows me. How about you? Are you there with me? Jesus has left us with this peace. And I have to tell myself all the time, peace, Steve, peace, Steve. Jesus gives me peace. Because I struggle with anxiety. I'll readily admit that. I struggle with anxiety. And at times, anxiety rules in my life. And every time anxiety rules in my life, it causes me to lose a little life. Back in the year 2016, this fellow named Zach Williams came out with a Christian song called Fear is a Liar. Anybody know that song? It's on the radio like all the time. If you listen for an hour, you'll hear the song. Anyway, the chorus says this. Fear, he is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear, he is a liar. He will rob your rest. Anybody have their rest robbed by fear? He will steal your happiness. Cast your fear in the fire because fear, he is a liar. And I don't normally get too swept up in songs, but I listen to that song and I go, man, sing that song to my heart. I need to hear that. Fear steals. Fear is a liar. Fear just destroys and takes away. A passenger in a taxi cab leaned over to ask the driver a question and gently tapped the driver on on his shoulder to get his attention. The driver screamed, lost control of the cab, nearly hit a bus, drove over the curb, stopped just inches from a large plate window. For a few moments, everything was just silent in the the taxi cab. And then the taxi cab driver said, I'm so so sorry, but you scared the daylight out of me. The badly shaken passenger apologized to the driver, said, I didn't realize that, that, a, that a mere tap on the shoulder would startle someone so badly. The driver replied, no, 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 I, I'm the one who is sorry here. It's entirely my fault. Today is my very first day driving a cab. I've been driving a hearse for the last 25 years. <laughs> so, yeah, that is pretty good, isn't it? This is the internet at its best. I got this off the internet. But anyway, 
I said a funny story. Anyway, you don't need to know how I found this thing. Um, what I like about this particular little story is that it really encapsulates the problem with fear so much. It causes us to overreact. When fear begins to rule in your heart, you overreact. You get stressed out. Your body goes into the flight or fight mode. Everything is just amped up. And frequently what we need to just do is take a breath. Let the Holy Spirit fill our hearts and flood our souls. And just rebuke that fear and stand fast in Jesus Christ. So now that I've covered these two caution things, I'm going to move into the meat of the message today. How do we live as a blessed one? As Peter describes this kind of con, confluence happening now with the stream of persecution thought coming in and, and colliding with the stream of, of, of blessedness uh, thought that we've been studying thus far in the book of First Peter. How do we live as a blessed one? And I'm going to use verse 15 as kind of my main outline for this discussion. First of all, in your heart, revere, that means set apart Jesus as Lord. I love the word revere. It means I treat as holy, sacred, separated from the ordinary, hallowed. So I treat Jesus as holy, as sacred, as separated from the ordinary, as, as hallowed. I revere him. So when we're really going to live in this, in this light of, 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 of being a blessed one in God and having some hardships and troubles and things come into our life that want to maybe cause fear, um, one of the main things we have to do is in our hearts revere Christ. Just set them apart as hallowed. Always have a mind occupied with Jesus dominating your thought process and your viewpoint. So I want to even pray for us to have that perspective. So would you bow your heads as I pray uh, for us here in this regard, a short prayer. God, we revere you this morning. We praise you that you are not ordinary. You are the Holy One and we hallow your name. Jesus, you're able to do more than we can even imagine or hope for. And in you, all things are, are, are put in place. And we trust you, Jesus. We trust you. We pray for trust. We pray for a great faith to stand fast in you and for you to occupy our minds. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So now I'm going to read the rest of the First Peter 3 verses to you today because they, to me, begin to clarify and to illustrate why we revere Christ. And why that should be a, a dominant way of thinking. So I'm going to read 1 Peter 3, verses 19 through 22. Listen to this. After being made alive, he, Jesus, went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. To those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So I'm going to explain these verses a little bit. But oftentimes we get to these verses and this becomes the people's focus in the scripture. These verses are just trying to explain why... We revere Christ. When we lose that linkage, we get lost in what the verses mean. I mean, when people talk about what does it mean that Jesus went and preached to the spirits, it gets very spirited in this discussion. 
People get kind of angry and they start thinking about uh, why they believe what they believe and all that kind of stuff. But really what I want to do is talk to you on, on, on why these lend themselves to revering Christ. And remember the second half of verse 15. We're always to be ready to give an answer for the hope we have. And that hope that we have is being demonstrated while we're going through some hardship, some kind of persecution, some kind of trouble. And people say, why do you have hope? And you know what the simple answer to that question is already? I'm just going to give it to you. It's because we love Jesus. Amen? And Jesus makes all the difference in the world, but just hang on to that. Here's reasons to revere. Jesus died for sin once for all to bring you to God. That's why we revere him. He died once for all for sin to bring us to God. He died in the flesh, as, as Peter says, was made alive in the spirit, and he preaches victory to imprisoned spirits. So let me talk to you on this for just a moment. I'm going to give you the explanation I like best. I talked to Aaron about this because I want Aaron to be at fault too. No, just joking. We both agree maybe the simplest approach is the best approach to this, okay? And so I'm going to give you the answer that I like best. There are multiple, you know, suggestions for how to interpret this. If you don't like my particular answer, that's fine. You know, I'm just going to give you the one I like best, okay? Um, the ex- explanation I like best is this. Is that the resurrected Jesus Christ went to the fallen angels and proclaimed his victory over death and sin. He kind of set things straight in the spiritual world. And what that's illustrative of us is this, that in Jesus too, even when we suffer and go through things, as we revere his name and stand fast in him, we too will experience victory over those things that afflict us. It's like he took a victory lap and said, this is what happened. God's plan worked. It it, it accomplished just what he intended, victory over sin. And so this is partly why we revere Christ, because he's victorious. And in him, we too can be victorious over sin. Now, lest you get confused, uh, I want to clarify that Jesus did resurrect bodily. He's not um, only limited to the spiritual form. And this is made apparent to us in, in, in Luke chapter 40, verse 39. When he appears to his disciples, they think he's a ghost. And they're a little bit taken aback. And he says, hey, look at my hands. Look at my feet. Touch my arm. I got flesh and bone here. And what he's saying is, I've been resurrected bodily. Okay? So just to make sure you have clarification on that. Uh, and that, that. But he did go to the spirit world and he preached. And most likely it was to fallen angels. And he, he basically had a victory lap in front of them. Um, then Peter talks of Noah. Okay? And the ark. And Noah and his family were saved because of their faith. Uh, first of all, of building that ark and then walking into the ark and coming under the protective covering of the ark while the watery judgment of God came upon the world. The ark there represents it prototypes what Jesus would do for people. As we would enter into faith in him, we become in, in the ark of God, so to speak, saved from his judgment uh, that would come upon those who reject Jesus Christ. So Jesus is our ark. And, and this is another reason we revere him. As we trust in him, we're saved. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from uh, the dead is at work in those who trust in him. And the phrase, pledge of good conscience, to me, is like a key phrase to understanding what's 
this scripture means because some people say, well, what baptism say? What, what is that? What's that talking about? Well, this, this, this pledge uh, 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 of, of good conscience means this. If you look it up and read it in the original um, Greek of the New Testament, it means this. The conviction of sin in that person's life by the Holy Spirit calling for a response of faith commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. So it says those who have this pledge of good conscience, those who have received Jesus Christ, uh, convinced that they're sinners, that they're in need of Jesus Christ, then when they go into the baptism, uh, when they're baptized, it's like Noah and the ark. They're in the ark of Jesus Christ. And they go under the water and it's symbolic that they're not coming under the watery judgment of God. They've died to themselves and they're coming out alive. All right? You getting the picture there? And that's what that means. And to me, that's just another, another really reason why we're to revere Jesus Christ because he's been talked about since the beginning of the Bible and in him God's story has been uh, completed um, and so at uh, any rate we're going to move to the second half of verse 15 now a second way you live is a blessed one and this is also how you bless others even when you're experiencing the stream of persecution coming into your life or hard to, by the way is anybody experiencing something right now where your life, they're just kind of hard. Yeah, I prayed with you before church. You know, right? Right? I mean, I don't know if I go through a week hardly without having to say, wow, this is kind of tough. And the more kids you have, the more opportunities you have for that. The more people you know, the more opportunities you have for that. The older you get, the more fertile your soil is for that experience. You just start having some issues that you never had before, Right? And so what I'm talking to you today with about here, I pray that you really listen because I think it's so applicable. Um, so a second way you live as a blessed one that blesses others is this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So if you're going through some financial difficulty or you're going through uh, some kind of sickness or maybe, you know, you're, you're going through a family that doesn't receive your faith in Jesus Christ. I remember when I was really becoming a born-again follower of Jesus Christ and getting real radical, I, I remember having a conversation where I was told um, by a relative, well, I know you're a good moral person, but I never thought you were the, like a religious kind of guy. That was not really complimentary. And I remember, huh, we, we, we do suffer persecution. It's mild compared to what could be. But sometimes if you just take a stand for Jesus Christ, I remember talking to my, my boss at 3M one time when he asked me, why are you so different? And what makes you tick? Jesus. I just gave him the reason for the hope I have. It's Jesus. And he said, well, it's good to have, what did he call it? Some word. It's good to have, you know, your belief system, or whatever, but just don't share it with anybody else but my life shares it. Follow what I'm saying? I don't have to speak with words, but my life can share it. At any rate, we are going to suffer some persecution, some hardships, some types of trials. And so um, the, the simple answer for the hope that you have, someone says, why do you have hope? What's your answer? One word. Jesus, do not make this complicated. Jesus, that testimony of why do you have hope and just saying Jesus can be so impactful in somebody's life. Don't think you have to go through a whole bunch of apologetics to say why you said Jesus. Make sure you say Jesus. Sometimes leave it at that. I remember um, having a conversation once with somebody that asked me why I made the switch I made from engineer to 
pastor. <laughs> I said, well, I think God was calling me to do that. And then I left it. And uh, we were playing golf at the time. About two old ladies said, why would you do that? I said, well, I gave my life to Christ and I just felt like he wanted me to, to, to serve him full time this way. And I remember about two old ladies said, I can't believe you did that. And, and I go, it's the best life I could ever have picked. Huh. And I remember just, you follow the process. You, you just live it. Just say Jesus. Don't make it super, super complicated. Um, that's the reason for the hope that we have. And, and, and remember the background? Peter's saying, you're going to see this stream of persecution come into your life. And he's talking about philosophically a little bit with us, but it's going to get real here real quick. And he's going to talk about how this realistically is going to happen. And, and he's saying, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And the hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now hear this too. It's so good and right and beneficial to know why you have this hope in Jesus. To know your Bible, to know that since the problem of humanity, to be able to answer some questions about resurrection. It's, that's why we do what we do here week in and week out, right? So we're, we're filled with thoughts of Jesus Christ and we're ready to give an articulate answer to somebody that might ask us some questions. So we live, friends, no matter what's going on in our life, we live prepared to be a blessing. Because we're so blessed, even in the midst of persecution and trials. Now, the part of the effectiveness of the answer is this. Your demeanor. People don't tend to hear what angry, combative people say, even if they're right. And Peter talked about demeanor here as we share in this hope as we share this hope with Jesus Christ. He's, your demeanor as you answer should be one of gentleness and respect, Peter says. Why? Because people will hear that better. They'll, they'll see Christ's likeness in you more. And then he said, make sure you have good behavior, which we've talked about already. And I think some of the strongest people I have ever known in my life have been people who are quieter, but they're courageous and they say what they think and they don't have to resort to intimidation and bullying and combative attitude. You don't have to do those things to be a strong, courageous follower of Christ. Think about Jesus. He went to the cross as a lamb to the slaughter. But wasn't that one of the greatest acts of strength ever? Because by this courage and because he freely picked the path of suffering, you and I sit here today born again in Jesus Christ, beloved sons and daughters of God most high because of what he did. And he did it as a lamb going uh, to, to slaughter. What a savior. Man, Jesus is such a difference maker. I'm going to leave it at that today. Um, we're going to get back to some of this. I, I, I've already been looking at Thanksgiving and I just want to tickle you a little bit with the tea fest thing. One of the things I struggled with, as I mentioned, was some anxiety issues in my life. And every time I struggle with those issues, it's because my mind is not focused on Christ. I'm focused on my issues and my problems and potential things that could happen. Anybody relate to me on that? And one of the things my, my, my lovely wife has been telling me lately, and she's right, you've got to thank God a lot more for the things you have. Out of that thankful kind of perspective, you're, you're acknowledging you're blessed in God, basically. All right? And so... I've been reading some of the stuff she's been sending, sending to me and it's actually good for your health to be thankful. 
It drastically reduces stress and some of these things. So, so in a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk a little bit more on that, but I just want to kind of get your juices going here on some of this because I think God's trying to create a different people. Amen? Ones who trust him no matter what we're going through. Ones when you're laying flat on the back in a hospital gurney, you can say, praise be to Jesus, I'm a blessed person. Or when you're, you know, dunking a basketball like a Mark Engen or somebody like that who doesn't even have to jump to do that, do you, Mark? Anyway, I'm sorry, I don't know why I said that. That's distracting. You can, you can praise Jesus in doing that kind of thing too. But no matter what's going on in our life, whether it's, it's what we consider a, 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 you know, a really good thing or a really hard thing, our perspective is we're blessed. And out of that blessedness, I'm so utterly thankful that it makes all the difference in the world in my life. So here's some reflection questions. Are you experiencing some sort of suffering in your life? So are you doing what's right or wrong? If you're doing what's wrong, here's the, here's the approach. Admit it and quit it. If you're, doing, if you're suffering because of something like some persecution or, or maybe something physical or a job or whatever, stand fast and revere Jesus Christ and be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have and that answer is Jesus Christ. Do you consider yourself blessed even in suffering? I want to encourage you, if you've never picked up one of these different study guides, we wrote this ourselves, there are a lot of really meaty, good follow-up questions to the sermon today. They could help you go deeper in your thought and you can do them by yourself or you can do them with somebody else. There's still a bunch of these books available. So even if you haven't picked it up, you can still pick it up and use it for the next several weeks.